Welcome to the PG Growth Planned Giving Podcast. Welcome to the PG Growth Podcast. I'm Ed Sluga. Today, I have a very interesting conversation with Ken Ramsey, noted legacy-giving expert in Canada, North America, really, about the notion and the definition of planned giving as we enter into a new era of planned giving, something that Ken likes to call the golden age of planned giving. And currently, planned gifts tend to be gifts of bequest through your will. But really, over the years, it's changed dramatically. It's changed from being just those kinds of deferred gifts to really encompassing all types of direct philanthropy where we engage donors to be partners in our mission. So this is a really interesting conversation that Ken and I had. I think it's very interesting that talks about the way we need to review and to look at our business practices around planned giving to ensure that when we're engaging our donors, we're turning them into personal partners in our mission. So please do have a look at this, and hopefully you'll find it interesting and informative. Ken, you know, I'd like to talk about this phenomenon I think we're seeing finally coming to fruition, something that I know that you and people um, historically have talked about over the the long term or many years ago when it comes to planned giving, what it really means and how it's kind of incorporating different types of channels of fundraising that we uh, often associate with independent activity. Um, you know, what I've said over the years, uh, tongue in cheek has been that uh, major gifts are, are currently dead and, and all large gifts are planned gifts. And, you know, I do that, you know, mostly to get a laugh on occasion or to, bring people into focus when it comes to planned giving to, to really consider it. But I know that you've most recently been looking at the, the idea of planned giving incorporating three main areas of, of uh, giving that we, again, feel are somewhat independent. And those three areas are leadership gifts, major gifts, and estate gifts. So I was wondering, perhaps you can just take us through where that comes from and talk a little bit about perhaps the history of that and how we now find ourselves in a moment where, um, again, the idea of planned giving is being stretched across these three separate areas of fundraising. Sure. And I, and in a way, and I take a, a, a kind of a, a long perspective on this because uh, when we, when we sort of formalize, um, this area of fundraising in the early 90s, and that coincided with um, the formation of the CAGP at the time. Uh, we debated this, and we got some good advice from our American colleague, uh, who encouraged us to take a kind of the definition of planned giving to make it fairly broad. And, you know, so it's any gift that requires planning at its simplest level. But the implications of that are, and by the way, we followed that advice. So we, you know, um, 
And so we, as practitioners, became gift planners. And what's happened, I guess, over the years is that's devolved, if you will, into another word for estate giving, uh, generally deferred gifts. Not totally, because uh, sometimes, you know, gifts of securities, for instance, uh, now fell under that to some extent. Um, some current gifts uh, fall under it. But the, in, in the normal usage in our industry, uh, plan giving means estate giving. Uh, and yet, I think we throw a lot, uh, or we lose a lot with that kind of simplistic definition. So if we take a step back and, uh, and say, okay, what do we mean really with, by plan giving? Uh, I, I have a handy kind of reminder to myself and I call it personal, personal fundraising. You work with a donor, usually over time, uh, to at a much, much, uh, much more personal level, uh, and and that 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 can be reflected different ways. Uh, it can be reflected in the length of time uh, the decision making process takes for the donor. Uh, it can. It implies that there's a more um, kind of personal feeling the donor has in his or her connection to the organization. Uh, that, and we can talk about, you mentioned three, three channels there, and they're all, they're all different. They are different in, in some aspects, but they're also similar in some aspects. I think too that uh, the I think we're being driven to reconsider this. <laughs> um, the, you know, what we're talking about is, is basically almost 30 years. And the, the landscape of fundraising has changed pretty dramatically. Most notably, it's harder to raise money. Mm -hmm. And the more traditional ways of doing it which is just go out there with direct marketing, which is not personal, is not planned, does not feel personal, uh, despite how hard we try to make it do that. Um, to, the, to the prospective donor, it doesn't feel personal. Uh, but those response rates, uh, those retention rates uh, have, have been going down consistently for quite a number of years. So the market, we fundraisers, are looking around and saying, okay, where do we get growth? How do we build our business? Because uh, the needs are greater than ever. Uh, and the, the answer is in personal fundraising, which by the way, I call philanthropy. Yes. <laughs> another definition, if you will. So in my mind, I equate plan giving with philanthropy. Because in philanthropy, that word carries a lot of meaning and it's always around personal fundraising. And um, so, and it's time, by the way, to, to look at a lot of our nomenclature uh, and get more, much more precise about it. You and I have talked about this. Yes, exactly. So, um, because now we have to, it's almost like drilling down, but we have to be clear with each other and we're not. I go to places, I do presentations, and I talk about plan giving, they think I'm talking about estate giving. And yes. 
Oh. And it, it does remind me of a few things as you're talking. Uh, reminds me of one thing our colleague Tracy Church, the uh, the um, uh, prospect researcher, uh, talks a lot about the fact that our our when when donors do enter into uh, this kind of personal giving, they really stop thinking about themselves as leadership gift donors or major gift donors or or estate gift donors. What they're thinking about themselves as the supporters of the organization, and it's an it's important for us to to treat them that way. And I think another thing that comes to mind that while you're talking is about the creation of pipelines and, yeah. and donor journeys and how you know bringing people in. And it's very important that we continue to have uh, annual fund programs that are robust and continuing to acquire donors. But as we bring them in, what we want to do is ensure that we understand what the donor journey is going to be and how do they transition from that, um, you know, that fundraising activity to the philanthropy side uh, that, um, you know, and, and how we're driving people forward and retaining and then moving them and elevating them and moving them into leadership and into where philanthropy can take over. The other thing, as we're building those pipelines, one of the things that I've been talking about, and I know that you and I discuss regularly is, donor is partner to the organization. There's a moment where they flip. They flip from becoming somebody who donates or who is a supporter to a partner into the organization, which means it's far more personal. Partnerships are extraordinarily personal, whether they're personal partnerships or business partnerships. They, they require face-to-face -face activity, they require understanding, and they require a dialogue rather than a monologue because what we're trying to do is bring them in to the mission. And in that, the, the change that's happened over the 30 years, what we're seeing is you cannot, if I can you know, use this, um, this analogy, we can no longer bank on uh, you know, meeting our funding needs when we have a donor base that is an inch thick and a mile wide. What mm -hmm. we require is a donor base that is perhaps not as wide, but is much deeper. Uh, and we're really going to grow our fundraising bases uh, when we grow our personal relationships with our donors. And finally, I think this is another thing that we've been talking about, or I've been talking about. There's a moment where all planned giving, and I, and I would say that those three areas, uh, uh, leadership, major, and estate giving fall under that uh, now that term that we've stretched across those three areas of fundraising but plan giving becomes gift planning and I think you've mentioned that all of that leads us to working directly with donors who want to support us who want to be our partners we want to work with them personally so that we can find ways to really work with them in a in a, in a partnership that uh, sees them expressing their philanthropic intent and us expanding our mission in the world. So it's a really interesting time where groups need to pivot towards this if they don't want to get left behind. Yeah, you make an excellent point. And uh, I, I, like the, I like the word plan giving because it has implications for both parties. It has implications for the practitioner, we fundraisers, and it has implications for the prospective donor. Uh, and you're, you're quite right, it's a growth of relationship. And so, but if we start to say, use of the term correctly, plan giving, it means we, we start to think 
um, of the donor journey. And which another way from our point of view, it's a pipeline. What, 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 what influences do we put in place? What different ways of relating to, to even annual donors? What will lead them on this journey to the philanthropic side where the gifts tend to get larger um, uh, or, and certainly more thoughtful? And it's, so it's, it's deepening that relationship over time. And I like, for me, that's why I like the, the phrase, let's, let's call it gift planning, because we're also planning a, the development of a relationship here. And whereas a lot of estate giving, frankly, is also devolved into simple tactics. And all we're doing with simple tactics is, is getting low-hanging fruit. There's no, there's no cultivation. There's no enhancing relationship. It's a quick and dirty to get something we don't know what to do when we get it that's yes <laughs> yes we don't Agreed. have a, a concept of pipeline so if we marry all this together um which is uh, you know it's it sounds like a simple redefinition but it has implications all over the place yeah including how we structure our business uh our fundraising businesses so i think it's it's uh, yeah it clarifies um, clarifies nomenclature, but it, it starts to shift our thinking. And I think, as I said previously, the market is telling us we have to shift, shift our, our thinking because uh, donors aren't responding the old way. They want more. I, I read research, whatever I can get my hands on in our industry, and every indicator for the last 10 or 15 years is donors want more. They want the deeper relationship. They want they want the personalization. Now we have limited resources. We can't go. We can't go and visit every annual donor. Uh, but you put in place strategic steps to enhance that relationship, to test the relationship, and then to act appropriately and put people into the right pipelines, the right way at the right time. And I think gift planning brings that together. Yeah, That's agreed. Why the simple redefinition. It's very important. Yeah, agreed. So I just wanted to, we like to, in these podcasts, leave people with a couple of uh, takeaways. What is it, you know, what are the three steps or the five things to think about? So I'm going to ask you to give us three things to, to take away and, and kind of re, um, readjust the way we perceive our, our fundraising in this area. I wanted to, though, before you, you give us those, uh, wanted to say, I wanted to touch on something that you had mentioned, which is this is a personal kind of fundraising, but that doesn't mean that you're going to go and and speak to every single person that falls into this category. In fact, the size of some of our donor bases preclude us from doing that. What we're doing, though, is thoughtfully engaging with individuals. And we can do this through various tactics, as you say, that inform the full program. But we're giving people an opportunity through those, this program to be partners with us and to, to be part of this gift planning process. And, and it's a partnership that requires dialogue, but that dialogue can be undertaken in a lot of different ways. And there are lots of 
wonderful ways of expressing this and 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 so you don't um, my takeaway is you don't have to go and hire a whole bunch of fundraisers to go out and start calling and meeting with every single person that would be fantastic and it would probably lead to tremendous success and the the AFP course I teach is on the fund I teach on the fundamentals uh, says very clearly the most um, and research shows this you've mentioned research shows that the most effective way to raise money is face to face but we can't do that we can't talk to every single person we can't meet with every single person so those relationships can be built in many many different ways so i just want to touch on that so just give us three things to think about uh to, as as we begin pivoting toward or, or focus on uh, this kind of fundraising in in the new in the new uh way that we define plan giving or gift planning yeah, I've got probably 27 things. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave you with three. Um, one, I'll pick up on, on the idea you just, you, just, you just expressed. There's some new technology, and uh, which I'm impressed with. Uh, for instance, interactive website. Uh, that uh, I know you've been working on here in Canada. And yeah, the, we can use technology to approximate um, personal relationship development uh, using elaborate decision trees and inter because they're interactive. So that's a way, instead of sending out a lot of letters, get people to, to visit a website that talks to them, that responds to them. So that initializes, if you will, the, the personal step. Because sometimes that, that's the biggest step to get person mm -hmm. yes um, certainly good stewardship uh, practice uh, which is really retention uh, it's, it's a retention strategy uh, and a gift enhancement strategy that's that has to be elevated I think in in foundations and, and charitable organizations because that too leads to the personal so with everyone mm -hmm. uh, so that's one idea I'm only counting that as one idea Yes. <laughs> the next is to, is to dig, dive deep into a database because databases really have the full record of the relationship. And uh, if you can, if, because if you're, if you do that creatively, you can see donor behavior. Uh, I know some of the for-profit people are jumping into this sector. Um, well, I know one. And, uh, and they, they do that in a very creative way, looking at donor behavior, but even just looking at the, the history of donor behavior can give you almost a relationship score. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, so the, I, I often say that our greatest asset is our, our databases, because that holds the record of the relationship we have with our, our supporters. So that's the second idea. The third idea is an implication to all of this. And that is, and it's, I'll put it in the form of a question. Do we have the actual skill sets as fundraisers? And you mentioned the dialogue to, to really get into these at a deep level uh, and, and not a bullshit level, <laughs> uh, but really be able to talk one-on-one -on -one, over the phone, whatever, to do this personal fundraising. Uh, because more and more that's going to be called upon. Uh, we will be called upon as fundraisers to have those skills. So, um, you know, those are the three 
implications or ideas that uh, I can leave people with. Yeah, that's great. I'm going to add one more to you, uh, to that, which, uh, as you're saying them, uh, uh, came to mind, which is kind of an overarching idea. And it goes to some of the research your friend uh, Penny Burke has done over the years, which is we have to pivot our and change our organizations. So all of them are donor centered. Yeah. They have to be donor centered from the first interaction to the last. And I know we do our best and a lot of organizations are doing a fantastic job. Um, but always, it's almost a mantra. I think almost on a, on a weekly basis, we have to come in and, and think, how can we be more donor centered? Because we often, uh, for the pressures of organizations that we work with and the realities of, of, of those sorts of things that we try to achieve, we often can um, turn our gaze away from ensuring that our donors really feel valued and are considered partners. So if we can always just do, go back to that, um, I think that's really, really um, important as well. Yes. Yeah, so. Yeah, absolutely, uh, Penelope, uh, she, she, she saw that a long time ago, her research backs that up every year, and it's clear that's what donors want. An interesting discussion with Ken about the new nature of planned giving and how it encompasses leadership, major gift, and estate giving. For more podcasts of this type, please go to our website at www.pggrowth.com or look us up on Apple iTunes or Google Play. Until next time, thanks very much for listening.